What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Usually Fridays are nothing but football, but with the passing of the legendary Bobby Knight, I had to do something, so we're going to open up the podcast with that, and then we'll move into college football coming up on Saturday, the NFL stuff obviously on Sunday. We'll touch on the the Steelers and Titans game last night as well. Also, the NBA in-season tournament starts today. We do a lot of NBA stuff here at Shooting the Schmidt, so if you want more on that, make sure you like the podcast, you follow, subscribe, whatever it is you're supposed to do on whatever platform you're listening on. Here we go. In case you haven't heard, Wednesday night, the legendary Bobby Knight passed. Um, he's a legend in Indiana. He's a legend in college basketball. He's a name that should live on for forever. And when I heard about his death, I immediately went to X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, because that's where people give their opinions on things like this. And I just kind of wanted to see what everybody was thinking and what they were saying about Coach Knight. And I was greeted by this tweet from Colin Cowherd when I opened the app that I think perfectly captures Bobby Knight and legends alike. Here is what he tweeted. Bobby Knight was complicated. Most legends are. You can't define him with a few thoughts. In fact, he's worth a book before you even get to his 50s. His coaching career ended as you almost suspected it would. Turbulent. His influence, however, is indisputable. Even my tiny high school team, and I'm sure thousands of others, ran his motion offense. And, look, the death of Bobby Knight led everywhere yesterday. Okay, I produced a talk show in Indianapolis. Mentioned it every hour. If you, you know, turned on FS1 or ESPN or whatever sports outlet of your choice, it was probably one of the stories that you heard. Okay, If you turned on your local radio station, it was probably one of the first stories that you heard there as well, no matter where you lived, because Coach Knight is a true coaching legend. He is a name that is going to live on for forever. He coached Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, Steve Alford, uh, Coach K. The list goes on of legendary players and coaches that he crossed paths with throughout his legendary career. And the accolades, oh my gosh, the accolades go on for forever. Coach Knight won three national titles. He went to five Final Fours, won 11 Big Ten titles, won a gold medal as the coach of the 1984 Olympics, won a national championship as a player, was the AP Coach of the Year three times, was Big Ten Coach of the Year eight times. He was inducted into the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame in 2006. That's the year that it opened. He was one of the first people enshrined in the Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame. And then obviously, his connection with Coach K, he coached him and hired him at Army, and Coach K is now the winningest coach in Division One history. And Coach Knight, is not only one of the most polarizing figures in college basketball history, but also in sports history. And as I was thinking about Coach Knight and talking with various people, this very clear thing, this theme, became very clear. And it's this. Normal do-gooders are not polarizing. Jay Wright, head co- former head coach of the Villanova Wildcats, a coach who took Villanova to four Final Fours, won two national titles, has a career-winning percentage of 70, of 70%, isn't a legend. Okay, He's probably a legend at Villanova, but nationwide he's not. Not to the level of Bobby Knight. And that's because he didn't have any controversy. He didn't do anything that upset anybody. You know, He just went out, he won basketball games, he was great for two decades. And that's it. That was his career, and it's awesome. Congrats to him. 
He was an awesome basketball coach. But controversy is what makes people polarizing. Okay? And 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 a legend. Like every legend has something controversial about them. Okay, Tom Brady, Deflategate. Michael Jordan, he had the gambling issues. Bill Belichick, he's got Spygate. And the list goes on of legends who had controversies in their careers. And Knight is no exception. Okay, he headbutted Sharon uh, Wilkerson against Michigan State in 1994. Uh, like a grown toddler, he threw a chair across the floor against Purdue. He choked Neil Reed in 1968. He refused to play in the NCAA tournament, and he constantly disrespected the media members that he interacted with. And the list goes on of all the things that he did that people didn't like. And Coach Bobby Knight's legacy, along with every other legacy of every other successful athlete or coach that had controversy, proves one thing. When you win, your supporters don't care, and your your opponents hate you all the more. Right? Bobby Knight. Bury me upside down so my haters can kiss my you-know-what. That's who he was. That's who he is. And as I was walking around the office yesterday, I was asking various people kind of what they thought about Bobby Knight, and there was this reoccurring theme that kept happening. And people who liked Bobby Knight didn't bring up the controversy, and people who didn't like Bobby Knight, that's all that they talked about. Okay, and we see this with other legends as well. Do you know who brings up Michael Jordan's gambling problem more than anyone else? LeBron James fans, because their guy is LeBron, and they want LeBron to be seen as the best basketball player ever. So they bring up the issues that Michael Jordan had. Do you know who never brings up Michael Jordan's gambling issues? Bulls fans and Michael Jordan fans, because they don't care about it, because he brought them happiness and victories to parade around with and throw in the face of LeBron James fans. It's just like how Patriot fans, they don't bring up Spygate or Deflategate. Indiana fans don't bring up the negative things that Bobby Knight talks about because he brought them happiness in the form of three national titles. The radio show that I produced yesterday, we had two guests on to discuss Bobby Knight. They both grew up in Indiana, and they were clearly fond of Bobby Knight because they grew up with him. And even when the issues of Knight's career were brought up, didn't seem to phase him. Didn't seem to phase him at all. And then later, as I walked around the building to socialize, as I often do, the non-Indiana fans had an entirely different response to who Bobby Knight was and the controversial legacy of Bobby Knight. They didn't bring up the wins. It was all about the bad things that he did. It was about the choking and the chair throwing and the inappropriate comments. The wins were never brought up. And I think a large part of that is because some of those wins were against their favorite team. And winning blinds the fans and raises the hate of opponents. And Bobby Knight's legendary career only proves that point. Okay, the only thing that Bobby, that Bobby Knight fan haters and Bobby Knight fans can agree on is that the guy was entertaining and you were always going to have some sort of opinion on what he said. So rest in peace to the controversial legend, Coach Bobby Knight, the banners and the controversies will never be forgotten. Let's get to the college football that's going on tomorrow, Saturday. Several big games this week. I cannot wait to sit down on the couch and watch football all day and probably eat some barbecue or it's like some chili. It's starting to get cold here in Indiana. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Uh, finally, you know, another great week. I'm going to give you my picks here 
on this on the biggest games of the week. I am 10 and 11 in my picks against the spread on the season. Hopefully, we can cross over the 500 threshold this week. Went 2 and 0 last week. So, let's get to the picks. Let's start with Kansas State and Texas. Texas is favored by four and a half points. The over-under for that game is set at 49 and a half. Malik Murphy is likely going to be taking snaps again for the Longhorns as they're going to look for their seventh straight win over Kansas State. I like Murphy. Uh, I think he's got what it takes for the Longhorns to pull out a W here. But when we talk about covering the spread, this isn't about pulling out wins. This is about winning by four and a half. So they got to win by five. And I got to be honest, Kansas State has really hit their stride here recently. And so I don't know if Texas has what it takes to cover the four and a half. Uh, since Kansas State's loss to Oklahoma State, they have outscored their opponents 119 to 24. Okay, and this is the biggest game of probably both of these teams' seasons. Okay, because for Texas, in order for them to stay alive for the college football playoff, they got to win out. In order for Texas and Kansas State to both stay alive to play in the Big 12 championship game, they both got to win out. Right, so both teams are going to be highly motivated in this game. I expect it to be tight the whole way through. Texas pulls it out really late, though. They win 28-24. So Kansas State covers the 4.5. That's my pick for the week. And the game goes over the 49.5 point total. Next game, the SEC. This is the biggest game of the in the SEC East this season, in that specific division within that conference. Missouri, 12th ranked in the country. Second ranked Georgia in the first uh, college, college football playoff poll that came out. Uh, even though we all know Georgia is the best team in the country. Still not moving off of that if you've been listening for a while. Georgia favored by 15.5 over the Missouri Tigers. The over-under for that game set at 56.5. And And I cannot wait to watch this. I can't wait to watch this game. Can't wait. Because Georgia, they've taken some flack for not crushing their weaker opponents like Michigan has. They've kind of cruised in those games. But... When the topic of them being upset by Kentucky or Florida arose, they beat both of them by at least four touchdowns. They dominated both of those teams. Those are the two best teams they've played on their schedule, and they crushed both of them. And I expect something really similar here. Missouri is a good team. They have a very high-powered offense, but it's heavily reliant on Luther Burden III. He's responsible for almost half of Brady Cook's touchdown passes, and he's responsible for 40% of the receiving yards for Missouri this year. Okay, if this game was happening a month ago, I'd be inclined to pick Missouri because Georgia hadn't quite found their stride yet, and now that Brock Bowers is out, Moore has been placed on Carson Beck's plate, young quarterback, or not young quarterback, first-year starting quarterback. That's the proper term there. Carson Beck, he's looked really good these past few weeks. He's much better than Stetson Bennett. I feel like he can win a game on his arm, so if Georgia isn't running the ball, you know what, we're fine. We can throw the ball 40 times with Carson Beck and be comfortable and still think that we can win. Brock Bowers could possibly be back this week. We still don't know yet. If he plays, that's just another reason to take Georgia. Their defense, though, large part of why I'm taking them here. Their defense, finally starting to have some young players emerge. Watch out, the the defending national champions. Correction, the back-to-back defending national champions. They look dangerous. I think Georgia wins and covers the 15.5 points. They win 38-20. to which clears the 56.5 point over. Next game, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State, the Battle of Bedlam. Another Big 12 game with Big 12 championship game implications. The loser probably eliminated from contention. 
Oklahoma. They're looking to bounce back from their loss to Kansas last week. Oklahoma State is looking to move their four-game win streak to five games. With this being Oklahoma's final year in the Big 12, the tension and the energy is going to be so high because the game is on the road. It is in Stillwater, Oklahoma State, hosting this one. This has the potential to be one of, if not the best, single-game environments in college football this year. If you aren't doing anything at 3.30 Eastern Time on Saturday, you got to tune in and see how crazy and wild these Oklahoma State fans are going to get. I just wish this game was at like 7 p.m., but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Um, the crowd, though, is going to be disappointed. I think Oklahoma State is going to lose, but they cover. You know, rivalry games, they're always close. Not always. They're usually close. This series, usually close. Oklahoma State's got a good football team this year. I think Oklahoma sneaks out of Stillwater with their college football playoff hopes intact. They win 31-28, but Oklahoma State covers the 5.5 points, and I'm a little annoyed because I don't think... I'm going to have to root for the under here because I don't think this game clears the 60.5 point total over under. Next game, moving on to the Pac-12. Washington taking on USC. Washington favored by three points here. The over-under for this game is set at 76.5. And And I can see this game ending one of three ways. One, Washington embarrasses USC in their own building. Two, Washington wins because they get the ball last. Or three, USC wins because they get the ball last. Either way, um, I think the best bet for this game is to take over 76.5. So if you want to bet this game, Take the over 76.5 total points. I wouldn't bet the spread. I'm going to take Washington to cover on the spread at minus 3. I think USC hasn't been great these last three weeks. Washington hasn't either, though, to be fair. But as big of a problem as both of these teams' defenses are, I've seen Washington get stops against Oregon. I haven't seen USC stop anybody. They gave up 49 to Cal and needed a last play two-point conversion to win that game 50-49. to USC is not stopping this Washington offense. The only way USC is going to get stops is if Michael Penix Jr., who's been awesome all year and should probably win the Heisman as of right now, is if he makes mistakes. And he simply doesn't make mistakes. So I'm going to take Washington to win and cover the three points. They win 56-48 to if you like points. This is the game for you. This is the game that you need to tune into. Two great quarterbacks that are both going to play in the NFL. You know, Caleb Williams going to be the number one overall pick. No matter what, lock it in. That's going to happen. Michael Penix Jr., um, he's a little bit older, so I don't know if he's a first-round selection, but he will undoubtedly get drafted because he looks really, really good. LSU, Alabama. Alabama, favored by three points. This is the last game we're going to get into. Over-under for this game set at 61.5. Another year, another big matchup between the Crimson Tide of Alabama and the Tigers of LSU. Jaden Daniels, quarterback for LSU. One of the best in the country. The best quarterback Alabama has faced this year since Quinn Ewers when they lost to Texas early in the season. But, but, the LSU offense isn't the only explosive offense Alabama's played since that Texas loss. Since that Texas loss, the Alabama defense has been really good, and the offenses slowly kind of came along. Okay, Alabama held Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, Jackson Dart to 10 points. They gave up 20 points to Tennessee, one of the most explosive offenses in the country. 
Um, they gave up all 20 of those points in the first half. Tennessee didn't score in the second half. Jalen Milrow, quarterback for Alabama, continues to get better. And this LSU defense does not. This LSU defense is nothing short of awful. And ultimately, I think Alabama's defense is too good and LSU's defense is too bad to expect LSU to win this game. I know LSU's offense is dynamic, but at some point at high-level college football, which is what this game is, you have to get stops. I don't think that happens for LSU on Saturday. Alabama wins and covers the three points, 35-31, which clears that 61.5 over-under point total. Five big games this week for college football, all with some sort of college football playoff implications. Should be a great weekend of college football on Saturday. I can't wait for it. It's almost here tomorrow. Chili and college football. Can't wait for it. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We're going to get into the NFL. Going to run through all those games. Going to give you my five best bets for the NFL as well. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. I was going to do a whole thing on all the big trade deadline stuff that happened in the NFL, but nothing too, too crazy happened. Some defensive linemen were moved around. We'll get into some of them as we run through all the games on Sunday slash Monday. Um... Yeah, like, no first-round pick was dealt, which is really weird. That usually happens. I think the biggest headline is Chase Young to the 49ers, which he only was traded for a third-round pick. It's just a headline because the name is Chase Young. That's how that works. So, before we get into all the games coming up this weekend, let's get to Thursday Night Football. Will Levis. He looks like he might be the guy for the Titans. It's only been two games. I don't want to overreact, but he's looked good. Last night, he threw a bad interception late, trusted his arm a little bit too much, I think, on that throw, trying to squeeze it in over the middle as the Titans were looking to to beat the Steelers there. But outside of that, I thought he looked solid. Uh, he was under pressure and duress all game long. Didn't seem to phase him. I thought he processed things really quickly. Still had a really solid game despite that that interception late. Um, meanwhile, on the, on the other side of the ball, the Steelers... They somehow, some way, continue to win games, even though I just I, I don't know how they do it. Okay, Kenny Pickett, who looked great last year, has been lackluster this year. He hasn't been bad enough to warrant the Steelers drafting another quarterback. But if he doesn't pick it up next year or at the end of this year, I think the Steelers should look to move on at some point. You know, give him you know the rest of this year next. If he doesn't pick it up, I would then start looking to move on because. It's tough to win a division that has Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson in it if you don't have an elite quarterback. And as of right now, that Kenny Pickett doesn't look like that. He looks like, you know, a tier below, you know, your Tua's and your Dak Prescott's and your Kirk Cousins of the world. He looks like he's not as good as they are. And that's an issue if you're going to be in a division trying to battle the Bengals and the the Ravens year in and year out. So, moving on, you know, every week we're doing the must-watch, watchables, and unwatchables. Before we get to those, let me give you my my five best bets for Week 9, Week 10. Week, week 9, Week 9 of the NFL season. Cardinals-Browns is my first pick. Browns are favored, minus 8.5, with the over-under set of 37.5. And, and look, what a, supply, what a surprise here. I'm going to pick against Clayton Toon, who you don't even know who that is, uh, played quarterback at Houston in college. I'm going to pick against Clayton Toon and the Cardinals to not cover the 8.5 points uh, against maybe the best defense in the NFL. 
uh, who's Clayton Toon besides, you know, the guy who played at Houston? He's the only quarterback currently listed on the Cardinals uh, roster. I have no faith in Toon's ability to move the football against this Cleveland Browns defense, whether it's Deshaun Watson or P.J. Walker taking snaps for the Browns. I don't think it matters. Give me the 8.5 because this defense is so great. Okay, Browns cover the 8.5. Um, I didn't I didn't put a score down. Jeez. Uh, a lot to a little. I don't think this game's close. I think the 8.5 is way too low. Browns by at least two touchdowns. Like This could be like a 21-7 kind of game. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Cowboys-Eagles. This is one of the best games of the week. Eagles are favored by three points. A divisional matchup. Over-under for this game is set at 46.5. The Eagles are simply a much better football team than the Cowboys are. Okay, both are good, but I think the better quarterback resides in Philadelphia. The better offense as a whole resides in Philadelphia. The better offensive line, the better receivers, the better coach resides in Philadelphia, and they'll be on that Philadelphia Eagles sideline on Sunday. Uh, I like both defenses. The Cowboys is probably a little bit better, but this Eagles defense is no slouch. They get after the quarterback as well as anybody in the NFL. Uh, I like Jalen Hurts in this offense to separate from the Cowboys late. Eagles win 27-20, which barely hits the over on that 46.5 points. Next game that I really like, Rams-Packers. Um, excited for this one. Uh, Packers are favored by three, the over-under set at 38.5. Matthew Stafford, quarterback for the Rams, is currently listed as questionable. But look, he's as tough as they come. So I expect him to play next week. Okay, They had a disastrous game last week against the Cowboys. They got embarrassed. When good teams get embarrassed, they tend to bounce back. Now you could argue, Jonathan, the Rams... Not a good team, but Stafford is a good quarterback, and Sean McVay is a very good head coach. They're going to bounce back, at least offensively. The Packers also continue to underwhelm me. I don't think, look, they just simply aren't as good as I thought they'd be. I I picked them to win that division. Um, So instead of doubling down, I'm just going to make money off of the miscalculation that I made. It's fine by me. Rams plus three, Jordan Love. Also doesn't seem great, and neither does Matt LaFleur now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. Rams win outright 24-20, which clears that 38.5-point total over-under. Next, Vikings-Falcons. Falcons are favored here by 3.5 points, over-under set at 37.5. The Falcons have officially made the switch from the dreadful, terrible second-year quarterback, Desmond Ritter, to the reliable backup, Taylor Heineke. That is all that I needed to hear to be willing to make this bet, to be willing to take the Falcons to cover the three and a half. The fact that Joshua Dobbs is now the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings adds to my confidence in this pick. Josh Dobbs was the starter in Arizona. He got dealt right before the trade deadline for a seventh-round pick. Or a six-round pick. Either way, really late-in draft pick. Dobbs, he's a solid backup. But it's his first week in a brand-new offense that doesn't run the ball well. And when you look at his best games in Arizona, it's when they were running the ball well. Atlanta should win this game, dare I say, easily. Either way, I think they cover the 3.5. Falcons win a low-scoring affair. 20-13, to 13, could be like 20-10, to 10, which, keep, which stays under that 37.5 point total over under. Last game. Last game of the five here. Seahawks-Ravens, 
Ravens are five and a half point favorites. They're over under here, set at four, 44 and a half, that total over under. Uh, people are falling in love with the Ravens week in and week out. I love them too, loved them to start the season, but I don't love them enough to pick them to cover this week. Okay, the Seahawks, this is a good football team. This is a football team, the Seattle Seahawks, who are competing to win their division now. With the uh, with the slip ups of the 49ers these last two week last three weeks, Geno Smith isn't having the year he had last year, but he's been solid. The Seahawks' offensive line has been banged up. It looks like they're going to get both of their starting offensive tackles back this week, so that should give Geno Smith enough time to sit back there, throw the football. Kenneth Walker, second year running back, uh, he's having another good season. Right, this young Seahawks defense is good. They also added Leonard Williams to help with their pass rush. Traded away a second round pick to add him. Ravens, they're the better team. They're going to win this game. But the Seahawks team, I think, is really tough. I think the Ravens win 24-20, so the Seahawks cover that 5.5-point spread, and the game stays just under that 44.5-point uh, total. Um, now let's get to must-watch, watchables, and unwatchables. This is where we run through the rest of the NFL games for the weekend. Just because I like talking about every game. I like hitting on every team. I know we got people from all over the country listening. I want to talk about your team, so that's why we do this. Let's start with the must-watch games. Uh, this, by the way, doesn't include the five NFL games that I picked because I'm kind of biased. I'm going to watch all those. Um, so this is the nine games that I picked. Must-watch, Dolphins-Chiefs. Chiefs favored by one and a half. This is the game of the week. And the fact that it is being played in Germany at 9.30 in the morning is utterly ridiculous. Okay, these are two high-powered offenses. This game deserves a primetime slot, not a 9.30 slot. The Dolphins are finally somewhat healthy. Uh, the Chiefs, they're going to be looking to bounce back after they got embarrassed by the Broncos last week. This should be the best game of the week, but we know how the Dolphins have performed against good teams and we know that games in other countries can be weird. So we'll see. I'm excited for this one. Should be the best game of the week. The line is tight. I believe it's the it's the tightest line of the week, the Chiefs being favored by just a point and a half. So going to be really interesting. Cannot wait to watch that game. Bills-Bengals. This is my only other must-watch game of the week. Bengals are currently favored by two points. This is the Sunday night game, I believe. Uh, the Bengals, they're looking to continue to claw back into, into the playoff picture Currently, they're sitting at the bottom of the AFC North standings at 4-3. and three. A win over the Bills would be huge for them. The Bills are still in contention to win the AFC East. If they win and the Dolphins lose this week, they jump into first place. Okay, A win here for both teams would be huge for their playoff hopes. Plus, this is a matchup between two of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. How could you not watch this game? This game's going to be awesome. Cannot wait for it. Watchables. These are like the solid games that you know you'll probably flip over to from time to time. You know nothing, nothing crazy though. Bears Saints. Saints are favored by eight and a half. The Saints can still win their division somehow. They looked good offensively last week. Maybe for the Bears, Tyson Bajan has a bounce back week because it looks like it's going to be him again and not Justin Fields. But this is mainly about the Saints and why this game's watchable. The defense is good and they're fighting for their chances to win the NFC South. Buccaneers Texans. Another watchable. Texans are favored by three points here. CJ Stroud is just fun to watch, and whoever wins this game is going to be able to continue fighting for a chance to make the playoffs. If the Buccaneers win, they'll be in contention to win their division. If the Texans win, they they keep a puncher's chance at the seven seed in the AFC. 
Next game, uh, our next watchable, Chargers-Jets. Chargers favored by 3.5. This is the Monday Night Football game. I am intrigued by this game because the Jets continue to find ways to win while the Chargers continue to find ways to lose. Um, going to be really interesting. The Chargers, they have the better quarterback. They, you know, But they're the Chargers, and they just find ways to lose. And Zach Wilson seems to, like Kenny Pickett, do just enough to win. This should be an interesting Monday night game. I'm just really intrigued to see how it goes. Because I could see the Jets winning like a really sloppy, you know, like 16 to 14 game. But I could also see the Chargers winning like 35 to 10. So just really intrigued to see, see how that game ends up unfolding. Finally, last three games the unwatchables. The Commanders play the Pats. I gotta be honest, I don't care to see Sam Howell and Mac Jones play against each other. Okay, both teams should be getting ready for the NFL draft. They honestly shouldn't even play this week. They should just take everybody, send them out all over the place, and be like, hey, Saturday, like you go to Los Angeles to watch Michael Penix and Caleb Williams, and we'll go, you know, somewhere else to watch some other quarterbacks play. And then and then we can trade notes and it'll be great. We can help each other get ready for the NFL draft. Because that's what the commanders of Patriots should be getting ready for. Commanders, they sold some players at the deadline. So they know what's coming. Patriots, they're the worst team in their division. They're not very good either. Mac Jones, not that guy. So unwatchable. Don't care to watch that game. Colts, Panthers. Colts are favored by two and a half here. I really want to want to watch this game. But the Panthers are awful. I'm sick of watching Gardner Minshew. He's clearly a backup. Uh, Bryce Young, quarterback for the Panthers, number one overall pick, has no time to throw the football, has no good receivers to throw to. Old and washed up Adam Thielen is the leading receiver for the Panthers. That's an issue. It'd be great if they had a first-round pick next year to help address those issues. Oh, wait. They gave it to the Bears. Can't I don't I can't watch this game. I can't. I'm not gonna do it. Finally, the most unwatchable game of the week. Maybe the worst. NFL game we've seen in a decade. I'm so serious right now. The Giants are playing the Raiders on Sunday. The Raiders are favored by one and a half. Yes, the Raiders team that fired their head coach, offensive coordinator, and general manager this week are favored. Do I need to say more about how bad this football game is going to be? That's how bad the Giants are. That's how bad they are. They're underdogs to the Raiders who are playing a backup quarterback as well. Aiden O'Connell, fourth-round pick, getting the starts. Doesn't matter. Raiders, favored by one and a half. We don't care that the head coach was fired. We don't care that the offensive coordinator was fired. We don't care that the GM was, was fired. We don't care that Devontae Adams is upset. We don't care that Jimmy G is not playing. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what, Giants? Y'all are so bad. So bad. That we're that y'all aren't favored. Golly, this game's gonna be terrible. I I'm not watching it. Refuse to. That's gonna do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. Uh, I'll be back again on Monday with another podcast for y'all recapping all of football Wednesday. Um, same stuff. We'll, we'll get into all the win all the Wimby. Probably do some college basketball stuff on Wednesday as well, since on Monday college basketball season starts. Um, and of course, we'll, we'll cover the, the NBA on, on Hoop Wednesdays as well. So make sure you like, subscribe, follow along, whatever you need to do. Come along. Get on the Shooting the Schmidt train. We had a great month last month. Thank you guys 
for listening and sharing the podcast and doing those things. It really means the world to me. Thank you again. I'll be back on Monday. I'll talk to you then.